0: Ciao, I'm Jacqueline Giorgio, and welcome, or welcome back, to the Milanophiles, my podcast that explores the food and beverage culture in and around Milan, Italy's best unkept secret. The slogan that defined 1980s Milan was Milano de bere. It means Milano to drink, but it also requires more context, and I will discuss it more thoroughly in a future episode. But in a nutshell, it was an advertising slogan that came to represent the city's aperitivo culture. So, If Milano da bere described 1980s Milan, then the slogan of Milano today is undoubtedly Milano da mangiare, or Milano to eat. And pretty much every restaurant I've been to this year is a testament to that. My quote, problem, unquote, with Milan's restaurant scene is that it just keeps getting better. So much so that I can't keep up with the new places because I want to keep returning to the places I love. So to mark the end of 2022, I thought I'd do a year-end roundup of some of my dining highlights. I'm only including places that I visited for the first time or those that I returned to after a significant amount of time had elapsed since my last visit. If you know me, you know I'm a pasta fiend, and last winter, an ever-so-enticing pasta dish kept popping up in my Instagram feed, and I just had to get to that restaurant to try it for myself. It was the tagliolini with sour butter, anchovies, and broccoli rabe from La Sala Bistro, which Noemi Sala, its namesake, opened in fall 2021. I didn't actually make it there until March of this year, but I assure you that when I did, the pasta tasted just as dreamy as it looked. And of course, I added my own contribution to the social networks. It's currently not on the menu, and yes, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it returns at some point, but it's not the only standout. Go and see for yourself how Chef Tommaso Sorgentone is crushing it. If I may, my only, for lack of a better word, gripe with La Salabistro is my timing. The Il Foresto di Vernazza, a white wine from Cinque Terre that I adore, is always sold out. But Carlo Maldotti, the dining room manager and wine director, always proffers a suitable alternative that has me forgetting all about the Il Foresto Until I look at the wine list on my next visit and the cycle repeats itself. Remulas roast and osteria alla concorrenza are just one potential must-visit restaurant trifecta on, or 3.2 seconds from, a certain stretch of Via Melzo that I like to call Milan's de facto restaurant row. And I'm going to insert a shameless self-promotion here. You can head to my blog, Signorina in Milan, where you can read a post all about this particular street. I'm going to include a link in the show notes. Anywho. Remulas is the sister restaurant to my beloved Ratana. Here Federica Fabi oversees the dining room and chef Cesare Battisti has appointed Francesco Vitale to oversee the piccola cucina con le radici, or small kitchen with the roots. And then there's roast. Now, I'm embarrassed to admit I didn't get to roast until this year, and it's for the reason I alluded to earlier. My Milan restaurant bucket list just keeps growing, and it's always a struggle. Should I choose a new spot, or should I just return to a posto del cuore, or place of the heart, which roast officially became this year for me? Guests get to savor Pierre Maria Trischita's excellent cuisine while basking in Enrico Muro's warm hospitality. Instead of antipasti primi secondi, the menu is just one long list of dishes, and they suggest enjoying it one dish at a time. The menu isn't pasta heavy. In fact, the only version of my favorite carb was fluffy and flavorful fregola with mussels, lemon, and pepperoncino. The mondegili or milanese meatballs are among the best in town. And the rice cake with the milk cream is one of the most memorable desserts I had all year. And then there's Osteriella la concorrenza, which I also didn't get to until earlier this year. The partners are restauranteur Joseph Katabi, host with the most Enrico Maria Porta, and Chef Diego Rossi of the restaurant Tripa. In the same way that Tripa moved the concept of a trattoria forward by looking to tradition, Osteria alla Conquerenza does the same with the concept of an Osteria, which traditionally was a place that served wine and simple food. You arrive to a table that's just set with wine glasses and red and white checkered napkins. There's no wine list, you speak to the staff and they make suggestions based on your preferences and the menu is written on a chalkboard that you have to get up and walk over to. But if you're like me, you might already know what you want, which for me always includes the focaccia di Recco with mortadella and then two types of crostone, one with sracitella cheese and anduja and one with taleggio cheese and mostarda. Those are always my foundation there and sometimes I do add onto it. Speaking of Tripa, I returned to the restaurant a couple of times this year after what seemed like an eternity, and each visit was just as memorable as the previous ones. Tripa opened in 2015, and a table there still remains the most desired in town. Online reservations are released at noon two weeks prior to a particular date, and they fill up instantaneously. Also, the times they are a change in a bit at Tripa, as chef Diego Rossi and partner Pietro Cairoli have recently altered the menu so that meat takes on more of a supporting role in most of the dishes. Like with eggplant that's covered with lardo slices that are splashed with salsa verde, or green sauce, or in a preparation of polenta, chickpeas, caciocavallo cheese, and nervetti, or caffney cartilage and tendons, a signature of La Cucina Milanese. And in several dishes, meat doesn't even appear at all. During stone fruit season, cherry and ricotta tortelli with parmigiano and sage were a revelation. The filling had a surprisingly meaty texture, and the ricotta tempered the tardiness of the cherries. The tortelli weren't sweet. They were savory without losing the cherries' flavor nuances. In November, I got to taste the tortelli's cold-weather counterpart, which couples peromiso a type of pear that's a bit like a quince with a ricotta, and it tasted just as remarkable and nuanced as its predecessor. I also want to point out that despite the menu shake-up, the vitello tonato, bone marrow, and fried tripe, Tripa's perennial must-eat signatures aren't going anywhere, so fret not. Also for the first time in what seemed like ages, I returned to Federica Caretta and Alessandro Garlando's charming labor of love in CMA. Garlando cleverly combines influences from his native Milan and Crete's native Puglia, but he also looks further afoot. We ordered the tasting menu, four courses for 50 euro, which on that particular evening included one particular dazzler, cream of smoked eggplant with, and I hope I'm saying this correctly, mograbia. It's a Lebanese couscous, fried eggplant, parsley, and lemon. Going back to Puerto Romano, where Tripa is located, I also want to give a shout out to Pasta Madre and its chef, and spoiler alert, future Files guest, Francesco Costanza. During a visit over the summer, I deviated from my usual house spaghetti alla guitar with yellow cherry tomato puree that's topped with a creamy blog of stracciatella and crowned with silky rosso or red shrimp. Instead, I got the pasta con lisarde with sardine, saffron, wild fennel, pine nuts, and raisins that's influenced by Costanza's native Sicily. Honestly, I don't love raisins, confession, I picked them out of my panettone, but I love them in this dish and I ate every last one of them. Like roast, which I had mentioned earlier, another spot that took me a little longer to visit than I care to admit is altrimenti. Chef Eugenio Burr of the restaurant Burr opened this restaurant in early 2019, and here Pantaleo de Datto oversees the kitchen. In lieu of the traditional antipasti, primi, secondi menu layout, the menu is classified as vegetables, meat, and fish. I had started with a roasted eggplant preparation that had stracciatella cheese, basil, and sun-dried tomato pesto. Then I had a spagatone, or a thick spaghetti, with shrimp, tropea red onion, lemon, and thyme. The food is elegant but unfussy, and just an overall delight. And believe me when I say that it won't take me three plus years to get back there. The Gerli family, owners of Antica Trattoria del Gallo in Milan's southwest outskirts, set up shop in the city center earlier this year with Gerli Dalla 1870, a chicken dedicated joint. I always roll my eyes at people who think chicken is banal. Far from it. Chicken's easy to botch, so getting it right is an art. And Jerley's menu exemplifies the deafness required to master this art. The menu proffers myriad chicken options, but the signature is the half chicken that's been spit-roasted in the dining room's oven. Soft and tender with perfectly crispy caramelized skin, and the brown sauce is unforgivably cozy. While there, I would have been remiss if I had skipped the pastrami di lingua or pork tongue pastrami panino. It's served with caramelized onions, pickled cucumbers, and mustard on a sesame seed bun, and it's easily one of the city's most crave-worthy sandwiches, one that gives some of the city's finest paninoteca or sandwich shops, a run for their money. Milan's Chinatown, which is centered around Via Palo Sarpi and Via Canonica in the northwest part of the city center, is the oldest Chinese neighborhood in Italy, and Milan plays host to a large Chinese population of 29,000. Yet excellent Chinese restaurants aren't confined to Chinatown. Again, another place that I'm embarrassed to admit I didn't get to until this year is Il Giardino di Giada, one of Milan's OG Chinese restaurants. 42 years ago, Carmen opened this restaurant, Footsteps from Piazza del Duomo, and she's still running the show today. It boasts a loyal local clientele who dine there among Chinese travelers from all over the world who have been advised from their Chinese friends and loved ones that this is the place to eat Chinese food in Milan. The service is warm and the food is wonderfully prepared and served. Most of the dishes come with a backstory, which I won't divulge. You'll have to go there and hear them for yourself. There's a playfulness on the menu at Moo Fish, located a few miles north of Milan in Nova Milanese. Yes, Milan teams with Japanese restaurants, but Moonfish offers a singular experience you won't find in Milan. So the restaurant is well worth the schlep to the city's outskirts. Their chef Jun Giovanni draws inspiration from both her native Japan and her cooking experiences in Italy, Puglia in particular. Her delightfully flavorful, innovative dishes include asari udon, wheat spaghetti, and banya cauda with clams, seabrine, and asari bushi, or dried clams. The Shy Scallop, a scallop coated in milk foam with scallion reduction, lemon zest, and shizu stole the show. Chef Maradona Youssef opened Metze, an excellent Lebanese restaurant, in March, where he offers a few tasting menus in addition to a la carte. The Saj, I hope I said that correctly, or a Lebanese flatbread, is made at a designated station in the dining room, and there are several filled options in addition to the plain. In fact, I wish I could make the one stuffed with ricotta yogurt, parsley, onions, and pepperoncino my daily spuntino. Plus, when you arrive, you're welcomed with a glass of cold mint lemonade with orange blossom water, a transportive refreshing quencher. You can order it by the carafe to have with your meal, but alas, and much to my dismay, they don't sell it by the gallon to go. The fermentation-focused spore opened this summer near Porto Romana. And it's the brainchild of chef Maria Sole Cuomo and Marco Ambrosino, who oversees the natural wine list and the dining room. They're partners both professionally and personally. Guests can add dishes to the set 42 euro ahead family-style tasting menu, which on my visit included eggplant with fermented sesame, diacon, and fried scallion. And speaking of couples, Bites is another whimsical restaurant of note. It opened in January 2020, but I didn't make it here until this year. Chefs Pietro Zamuner and Andrea Baita have created a thoughtful menu consisting of just small plates or, as evidenced by its name, bite-sized portions. Guests can order a la carte or opt for a 6-10 to course tasting that the chefs choose for you. The beautifully executed food is heavily influenced by Japan. My dinner included amberjack and gelatino with ponzu sauce and tomato water artichoke in a smoky, garlic-free bagnacauda-like sauce, and French toast topped with beef crudo, roasted eel, and horseradish. This year, I also for the first time went to Frangente, Romaniolo chef Federico Sisti's captivatingly carnivorous restaurant. Non-meat eaters will find suitable fare, of course, but honestly, if you don't eat meat, Frangente isn't for you. Not having meat here would be like not having fish at La Den. Though, admittedly, I didn't eat so meatily on my first visit, as I'm drawn to anything with white beans, so I had the pasta misto or mixed pasta with lobster and white beans. Though I did start with the mondegili or milanese meatballs. I was much bolder the second time around, I will say. The menu might feature veal tongue, pork head cheese, tagliatelle al ragu, fried brain, superb tripe, and an excellent take on the cotoletta alla milanese, among other dishes. Go, be bold, and enjoy though don't skip the revelatory tortellini and botarga. And speaking of botarga, Stadera is Chef Aldo Ritrovato's Gastronomia, or upscale deli, featuring pre-made dishes in the display case, as well as those cooked on request in the kitchen. It also dubs as a bottega, specializing in high-end artisan products. I started with a selection of dishes from the display case, and for my main, I had spagatoni, or thick spaghetti, with marinated raw shrimp and botarga, and it made my heart sing. Is there anything more appealing than a pasta tasting menu? I think not. I remember gushing about Babo's pasta tasting menu to my Italian friends when I had first moved here, and they were baffled by the idea. What can I say? It's a cultural thing, and I do completely understand their perspective. Though Matias Perdomo has caught on, the chef of the michelin Star contrast opened pastificio Urbana in May 2021. Here, pasta extraordinaire Ariana Concilio does wonderful things with my favorite carb and her dishes are available as three and five course tasting menus in addition to a la carte. A blessing because the menu is so darn enticing that you don't have to pick just one. I also had lunch at what I had been referring to as that new ramen place on Via Kononica, which honestly really isn't that new anymore. It opened in 2019. It's called Takumi Ramen Kitchen. I had the spicy tofu veggie miso ramen alongside some hot green tea on a brisk December afternoon, and it was the coziest, most fitting repast for that day. I go to Chichara a lot, but the menu changes so often that every time feels like the first, so I just want to give a shout out to the linguine with parsnip, celery, and lovage oil that damn near made my summer. So I'm going to just mention a few places outside of Milan. I think my meal of the year was at Materia in Chernobyl, one of the towns along Lake Como. Here, Chef Davide Caranchini couples his experience around the world, including a stint at Noma with his native La Cucina Lariana, and the result hasn't gone unnoticed. He has earned one Michelin star, and Materia has been named a world's 50 best discovery. The tasting menu was superb from start to finish. But since I'm such a pasta fiend, I'm going to give a shout out to the linguine with butter agoni garum, and amchar, an Indian spice. A meal here is worth a visit to Lake Como alone. Also near Lake Como, but located in Erba, which is in the center of the Larian Triangle, it's a rugged, hilly patch of land between Bellagio, the city of Como, and Lecco, is Trattoria San Biagio. Here the menu, which is steeped in Lombard tradition, changes weekly. But a perennial is the polenta uncha, the dish is typical of Lake Como and comprises polenta topped with gooey melted cheese. The cheese often used is semuda, but at Trattoria San Biagio, they use a and semigrasso or full-fat and semi-skimmed cheeses from Porlazza, a commune in Como that's actually closer to the Lake of Lugano than Lake Como. The dish is then doused in garlic sage butter, and it is the ultimate winter comfort food. Last but not least, I'm going to venture south of my dear Lombardia to Liguria, Ventimiglia in particular, the last stop on the A10 Autostrada before France. Here, chef Diego Pani is the third generation to oversee the kitchen at Marco Polo 1960. He stepped into the kitchen in 2018 after having worked for Guy Savoy and Alain Ducasse. Something cool here is that the menu features three generations of primi, or first courses. A calamari risotto with an herb pesto, that's his grandmother's secret recipe. Tagliolini with lobster fricassee, his father's signature dish. And Diego's pillowy roasted gnocchi with clam, sage, lemon, and pecorino. So that was 2022 for me. I can't wait to see what Meals 2023 brings. You can find the names of all of the restaurants I mentioned in the show notes. Thank you all so much for listening. I wish you all the best for 2023. Happy New Year and alla prossima.